Hey, Nat Tenchich here with a pretty important question. Straight people, are you okay? If you've seen the memes like on the Other Straits Okay subreddit or Hets Explain Yourselves on Instagram, you might think maybe no. Queer people have long had concerns about certain aspects of heterosexual culture. Not all of it, but some of it like gendering everything unnecessarily or normalising jealousy and possessiveness to acting like y'all really hate each other. Like, what is with that? And making light of the misery of opposite-sex relationships, like the ball and chain shit. There's some stuff that from the outside seems pretty concerning. And a lot of this feels like our parents' baggage, like surely we're past this now. But then think about what we said we didn't like about dating in 2020, back in your podcast feed a couple of weeks ago. The ghosting, the non-commitment, the lack of communication, the disdain, the cheating stings, the female complaint, the continuation of entitlement, the orgasm gap, rape culture. It all comes from somewhere, doesn't it? And maybe it's part of the big het culture picture. Well, we asked you on Instagram from within it. What would you like to see change about heterosexual culture? Hi, my name's Tim. I'm from Newcastle. So as a homosexual looking into the weird, wacky world of heterosexual relationships, I have a lot of questions. But I suppose today I'll start with my main issue, which is about casual sex. Like, just normalise it already. And I'm not just talking about the stigma that's forced on young women about whether they're having too much or not enough sex, but I'm also talking about the obscene amount of praise young men seem to be given over having casual sex. Like, that's just as weird. Hi, I'm Ainsley. I'm from Melbourne. I think something that needs to change in straight culture is normalising consent and communication, especially when it comes to sex. I think that people assume the default and follow a standard narrative thinking that they don't need to communicate or talk about what's happening or what is about to happen. I think we've gotten a lot better, but there's still a long way to go. Hey, I'm Liv and I'm from New South Wales South Coast. Uh, I think an issue in straight culture is the crazy amount of praise that you hear, mostly women giving to men actually, when they when men show any emotional support and empathy to a partner. And my friend and I actually had to call ourselves out on this the other day uh, when we found ourselves overly praising her boyfriend simply for the fact that he supports her mental health needs as someone who suffers from anxiety. Basically, straight women often praise and idolise the good behaviour of men when they show emotional maturity, when this is actually the bare minimum of support that partners should show to one another, and this is something that has to change. Hi, this is Brooke from Geelong. Uh, the thing I would change about straight culture are the power dynamics centred around heterosexual relationships and this idea that cis straight men can't be feminine and cis straight women can't be masculine. Hi, I'm Jared from Melbourne and when I really thought about it, the thing I would change the most about straight culture uh, relates to dating and uh, how people don't seem to think that they can say how they feel. Uh, so when I look at uh, my gay friends, everything seems to be more straightforward. It's just kind of like, hey, I'm interested in you. Do you want to go out? Yes or no? Um, and they also seem to be far more open about what they want out of the date. So whether it's a hookup or something casual or if they're aiming for more long-term relationship. 
Um, whereas in straight dating, it seems to me like we play these weird little games at the start, especially at the beginning of relationships where everyone is too afraid to say how they feel or what they want out of the date or, or, or the relationship. Um, and on the flip side as well, when it comes to ending relationships, people don't seem to be honest with each other either. So they'd rather ghost someone or come up with some excuse than just say, I'm not interested in pursuing this relationship any further. Hi there, this is Lisa and I live in Perth. So for me, the main thing that absolutely needs to change within straight culture is just the sex that we're all having with each other. As a cis woman, I am quite often dissatisfied with the lack of sexual satisfaction I experience when having sex with guys. And I think this is, or I know this to be, is because that quite often the clitoris is ignored within the heterosexual sexual experience and this is just not good enough i love me a straight boy but boys lick that clit do not ignore the clit hey i'm clarence from sydney so straight culture has made our world super heteronormative and i think heteronormativity has been negatively impacting society either consciously or subconsciously for far too long as a queer bisexual woman in particular, the straightness of our culture growing up from our language, our media, our family dynamics, clothing, advertising, I think it all really stunted my personal journey to self-acceptance or self-awareness. I was so confused about why I didn't naturally conform to this straight stereotype that I was told was normal. And even now I'm still discovering ways to disassociate with these straight expectations or norms that aren't actually how I want to present myself to the world. I think straight people in particular need to consciously change their behavior or language because we've been trained to default into using heteronormative words or assumptions. So for example, the other day someone asked me what my type was and started listing off male characteristics and male pronouns. This is so presumptuous, but unfortunately we've grown up around these straight ideals. And I do just want to end with the fact that sexuality isn't a hierarchy and straight people are certainly not at the top. Well, someone who decided to investigate their own queer relief not to be straight and turn it into a book is Dr. Jane Ward, Professor of Gender and Sexuality Studies at the University of California, Riverside. She teaches feminist, queer and heterosexuality studies. And the book is called The Tragedy of Heterosexuality. And it basically asks that question. Are the straights okay? So let's just get straight into it and find out. Jane, welcome to The Hookup. Thank you so much for having me. So, Jane, let's just start at the beginning. Let's get into it. Are the straights okay? (laughs) No, they're not. And that's, you know, that's why I was really moved to write this book. A couple of, maybe like a contradiction and a couple of contradictions are what motivated me to write this book. On the one hand... We all know this story about how difficult it is to be queer and a lot of LGBTQ people themselves will tell this story about how, of course, they would never choose to be gay. No one would ever do that because that would mean a life of discrimination and therefore that's why we know we were born this way, yada, yada. And that logic never really quite resonated for me and I I think I've spent a number of years trying to figure out the gendered and racialized dynamics of that because 
there is a good amount of research indicating that gay men, and especially white gay men, are far more likely to believe that they were born gay, and to believe that being gay means that, you know, you're, you have a harder life. Whereas lesbians are less likely to believe that and more likely to report that they feel a lot of joy and relief as a result of being queer. And so I really wanted to grapple with that. Like what's what's going on with this narrative and why is why are there some gender differences and who's telling the story? But also as I've been getting older, I've you know, I'm 47 now and I have a 10 year old, my partner and I, and we have a lot of straight people in our social circle now because we have a kid. And I just started to watch these straight relationships kind of bite the dust, like one by one, you know, lots of divorces, so much complaint among straight women about how pathetic and miserable their husbands are, how unsatisfying their relationships are. So I, I guess like, wanting to hold these two stories in view one about how you know it's so hard to be gay and it would be so much easier to be straight that we often hear and then this other story that I was hearing which is that for many straight women there was just tremendous misery in their relationships and so or that all came back to for me is just misogyny that basically if you account for misogyny at all or gender inequality at all then you start to see that straight relationships are often a raw deal for straight women which is why so many lesbians feel grateful to have escaped heterosexuality honestly that's one of those central tenets that you talk about in your book that it's like well there is misogyny intertwined at the heart of heterosexuality. Can you talk us through that? Yeah, so misogyny is basically meant, refers to hatred of women. And it's hard to answer the question about how misogyny runs through heterosexuality with without looking at the history of marriage a little bit. I mean, we think now of heterosexuality and heterosexual marriages as these unions of two people who like one another, love one another, came together through some kind of mutual attraction. But through most of the history of marriage, that kind of mutual affection was not what drove marriage. And in fact, it was unheard of. Marriage was primarily an, a pragmatic, an economic agreement. Uh, in which it was very clear that women were to be subservient to men. Women were property of men. They were such degraded figures in the political economy more broadly around the world that for a man to love a woman didn't even make sense. It was, you know, how could you love somebody who was so inferior to you? So what this means is that this understanding we have of modern heterosexuality is so recent. And what I argue in the book is that you really can't snap your fingers and expect all of that misogyny to go away. So this is just to say that there's there's a lot of work to be done. Yeah, I mean, what are some of the other most alarming aspects of like current straight culture in your view? The misogyny paradox is one of them. Um, but what else do you see is, is needing, um, is not being okay? Well, the thing about toxic masculinity and men's sense of entitlement in their relationships with women is that it 
kind of bleeds into everything. So, you know, it, it shows up as men not doing their fair share of the household labor, men not doing their fair share of the parenting labor, men having a very egocentric understanding of sex, and often straight women consenting to a lot of sex they don't actually want to have. It shows up as men not going to therapy, and so sort of heavily leaning on women partners to do all of the emotional labor, to be their best friend, to be their therapist, to be their mother, all of this. But there is a chapter in the book in which I uh, interviewed queer people and asked them what their perceptions were of straight culture. And in that chapter, they report all sorts of characteristics within straight culture that are so alienating and sometimes loathsome or pitiful is often how queer folks described it. So they often talk, they, you know, they talked about the boredom and predictability of straight people's lives, the scriptedness, the consumption of really like inane self-help materials, the bad parenting, the, uh, the like really rigid attachment to the gender binaries. Anyway, they really let loose. It was a no holds barred kind of discussion of what's going on in straight culture that these ultimately very gender segregated kinds of rituals that to a, a queer eye looks so predictably boring are precisely the things that people hold up and celebrate in straight culture. Like where's straight people's imaginations? Where's straight people's lust for life? So a lot of that going on too. I um, would love to get your take, though, for I, I mean, particularly for hookup listeners who are, uh, you know, young, uh, 18 um, to, you know, in their mid 20s, they're just starting to navigate the world of love and sex and dating. And, you know, I do think younger guys coming up do have maybe some more flexible ideas about sexuality and and women's rights and experiences and the like. But you know, there are still barriers and a lot of, you know, pockets of culture where that kind of thinking that you're talking about would be seen as a bit gay or a bit like not manly. So what do you, what do you say to those um, young guys who are really trying to grapple against what has been culture up to this point um, so that they can embrace that deep heterosexuality you're talking about? Well, I guess I would say that what I think sounds a bit gay is being a so-called straight man who likes your dude friends more than you actually like women. And we see this play out over and over again that boys and men claim they're heterosexual, but their investments are almost entirely in other men. They care more about what men think. They respect men more than they respect women. Um, bros before hoes. I mean, you know, the whole deal. So, so I, what I would say is if you want to impress us with your heterosexuality, then go all the way, you know, <laughs> like really be so into women that you have an unstoppable um, desire for women to be fully themselves, for women to fully choose you. 
I mean, the idea of having sex with someone who maybe isn't really into me, but is just doing it because that's the script or because, you know, that will make their family happier or because maybe I have money or whatever. That's such a turnoff to me. It's so dysfunctional, right? You see, don't you want to make a woman actually come? Don't you want to make a woman actually happy? I guess what I'm saying is like, I actually think the way heteromasculinity has been defined is quite weak. It's really such a sliver of what it could be. If you like women so much as you're as straight as you say you are, well, don't expect her to give you head, but you're not going to go down on her. That doesn't make any sense, right? You're heterosexual. Get in there. This is what I mean. Like, I, I think that many men have a, actually a very conditional attraction to women. They only are, desire women under very narrow circumstances. And that has one of the ways that shows up is just which a really narrow understanding of what makes a woman attractive, you know, that women are supposed to shave and douche and wax and makeup and uh, 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 uh. and in lesbian subculture, there's just more openness to the range of types of women's bodies and different ways women can be in their bodies that can be hot. Definitely a thing I felt. And I do want to get to this because do you think there's a point to the fact that it's like, well, women can empathize and, you know, feel that because they come at it from the same perspective or they've had, I suppose, they've moved through the world in similar ways in this, in similar bodies where men haven't been asked um, for almost all of culture to really truly identify with women, you know? I, I definitely think there's a part of that. I, Part of it is what you just said, but I also think part of it is about the way that queer subculture has to kind of invent sexuality from the ground up because most of us aren't, you know, we're not given models for how to have queer sex, but also because in queer subculture, there's a lot of celebration of the unexpected, the kinky, the unusual, you know, so really it's not just about like, well, women feel empathy for women's bodies. I think there's also a way that in queer spaces, like we, we celebrate non-normative bodies. Like for me as a queer woman, I'm not just like, oh, I have big boobs and therefore I'm attracted to big boobs. No, I'm attracted to like non-binary people, genderqueer people. I'm actually attracted to genders that are pretty different from my own, but on a female body. And I think that attraction was made possible, you know, and I came out into a queer subculture that celebrated the idea that sex should, can be, not it should be, but it can be something where the possibilities are limitless, you know, where we're not, we don't believe the story that straight culture has told us about how only shaved legs are not, are attractive legs or, you know, hairy armpits are gross or whatever. And so I was able to develop my erotic tastes in, with a, in, on, a, on a playing field that was just so much more expansive. I, I also think too, like about, you know, I guess the the complaint, right? And there is a huge, I think there's a huge, like men are trash culture. Like I, 
I scroll through it all the time and I always worry about I always worry about these women, like that this is how they have to identify. Like you say it in the book, you know, it's like this is the way you identify your empowerment is by rejecting and saying this is trash. But that's sad. Like love yourself in your own terms. Like I wonder like I wonder like how you feel about the the temptation to do that as opposed like do you think that holds us back or moves us forward? Gosh, you know, that's a tricky question because I don't want to deny any woman her right to express anger and you know heteropatriarchy has set things up such that often what your ordinary woman the only thing she can do is participate in that culture of complaint just like you said you know men are trash all of the bonding around you know leaving leaving a shitty man it it runs through like it's all it's synonymous with what we call feminist popular culture now. And I absolutely agree with you. Like that's the best that we have got because what happens is that the story goes like you stand up and you call him an asshole and you light his car on fire or you beat his windows in with a bat and then you just move on to the next man or you forgive that man after you've done that, right? And nothing actually gets fixed. So, so I guess it's one of those both and situations that we need to recognize that women need to be able to be angry. It's one of, it's one of the ways that fear and homophobia are used against women or gender policing is used against women, which is that if you're an angry woman, then you're a bitch. If you're an angry woman, then you're a dyke, all of this stuff. So misogyny is very carefully set things up so that women aren't supposed to be angry so I always celebrate women's anger you know I think we all do feminists always do because we know that it's kind of taboo and on the other hand we definitely do better than men are trash because ultimately we actually don't take that claim seriously it's sort of cutesy it's like um same with, you know, the, the book is called The Tragedy of Heterosexuality. And in the book, I include a meme that's from a television show called Parks and Recreation. And the two women characters in that show are both straight women and they're good friends. And um, somebody asked them, oh, are you a lesbian couple? And they say, no, tragically, we're both heterosexual. And that me, and that was turned into a meme of the two of them and, and the phrase, no, tragically, we're both heterosexual. Women by the thousands have shared that meme with each other. This was a thing like you send it to your best friend, you tag your friend. And I just thought like, wow, why is this funny? It's funny because it's true, number one, but it's also funny instead of making us cry because we've already decided We've already at some level signed on to the fact that heterosexuality is tragic. We all know that that's the situation that, um, you know, women's misery is um, both romanticized and trivialized so that women can trade these kinds of memes and not do what we might think that they would do, which is like to fall on the floor in a puddle of depression, but instead just be like, "Eh, well, that's the way it is. Yeah. Instead of um, demanding better, 
and demanding empathy and and better behavior and I suppose like if you were to if a man is to like say objectify a woman and say well she's just the the body parts who nags me (laughs) from time to time a woman going well a guy is trash is applying kind of a I suppose a similar um a similar brush when you could be trying to connect yes yeah and you know the the most the absolutely most popular self-help books for straight couples um take that as a given that men and women at you know a fundamental level don't actually like each other at all um they're from two different planets they don't speak the same language they don't like to do the same things they don't think about the world the same way they don't think about sex the same way they want just totally different things out of life and so if your marriage is on the rocks and you pick up a book like that and it basically tells you no, this is totally normal. You're not supposed to like each other at all. (laughs) You're just supposed to know that this is how it is, that men are from Mars and women are from Venus. And it's never going to, you know, it's never going to be anything different than that. So you have to learn to just, you know, take up these acts of acceptance and accommodation is what these books teach people. So, so just in the very moment that a straight person who is in a bad relationship might stand up and say, I want better, I demand better. There is this vast self-help industry that is designed to come in and normalize the very suffering that they're experiencing and to tell them, this is what heterosexuality is. This is perfectly normal. What I love about um, what you talk about in the book and something I've definitely found in my life in queer culture is that it's not just divorcing, like it's, it's not just like opening your mind about the possibilities of gender, sex acts, identities, sexualities, et cetera, but even um, alternative relationship structures like polyamory or open relationships or these sorts of things. And, you know, I've noticed sometimes in conversations with people who are less queer and maybe properly straight where you bring up ideas of not feeling jealous when your partner's with others and they find it completely alien and foreign. Do you think like straight culture and queer culture are always going to be so diametrically opposed or do you think there's a way that they can really come together and we can, and you know, like on that side, they can open their minds a bit more to um, some of these concepts that have thrived in queer culture? Well, we know that straight people are at the very least deeply curious about queer people's lives and sex lives. And at the, and, and probably more likely is beyond that, that straight people are, I think, envious of the kind of sexual freedom that so many queer people experience which I think is wild because they could just have it if they yeah, wanted to. It's not that <laughs> like, hard. Just, you know, why can't they just have it? No, they should. They should. And I think we do, you know, it's just that it's that straight people are very fearful. We know that fear is one of the ways that heteronormativity is is maintained. And there are all of these figures in straight people's lives. Their parent, you know parents and religious community and just all of the various figures that are that are policing people that you know even if that individual wants to do things differently there's a lot of fear about how they'll be perceived 
you know, we've kind of covered a little bit about why it's so tragic um, at the heart, but where does it sort of like, I guess what I want to know is like, do you think that heterosexuality will ever be able to overcome its central tragedy? I do. I absolutely do. And I do feel hopeful. And the reason for that is that men can start to recognize that they, it's not just that they're hurting women, it's that, and that they're not even seeing it. It's that they're also hurting themselves. I don't think men actually want to be, that straight men actually want to be experiencing divorce at such alarming rates. I don't think that straight men want to be in relationships in which their women partners are spending so much time complaining about how entitled and incapable they are of basic human functions like cleaning up after themselves. You know, I don't think straight men want to feel like they're exploiting their partners or like, you know, or that they're bad parents. I I, I think that there is for all good people, you know, and I think most people are good, a basic desire to do it right, you know, to do the ethical thing. I also think that heterosexuality has been defined so narrowly, and it doesn't need to be that way. And so it's really important to clarify that This isn't about individual straight relationships or about individual straight men. It's really about the way that straight people are set up to fail by a rigged system. So that's the other thing is that I feel like if straight people can see, this isn't my fault as an individual, but this is a system that is set up to kind of bribe us into you know, conforming to all of these gender and sexual norms that ultimately don't serve us, that straight people will want the kind of freedom that we see running through queer subculture. I mean, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot to grapple with. And I worried that straight people were going to, straight readers were going to feel defensive about this book. I just want to say that it's really not intended to be, again, you know, it's not about condescending to individual straight people. It's about saying, let's have a conversation about how queer people experience straight culture. And a big part of how we experience it is looking at straight women's experience in particular. And it seems to be often very miserable, that straight women often seem like they are living an undelivered promise, like they were hoping for more and, me- more and better. And you can see this in popular culture too. It's like, I talk a little bit about Beyonce's lemonade in the, in the book, but in general, you know, black women are often offered up as the exemplars of survival, of having been able to survive bad men, men who did them wrong. And we 
actually celebrate, you know, we kind of romanticize that rather than asking questions about like, is this really the way, what's going on structurally that this is happening to so many women? Obviously it's not just Jay-Z, right? You know, it's, so how can we think about this as a question of collective liberation? Jane, thank you so much for taking the time out and um, speaking with us on The Hookup. It's been really enlightening. Oh, thank you so much. It was really great to chat. Oh, I could pick her brain for hours. I actually did. We spoke for such a long time. Incredible discussion. And thank you for sending all your thoughts through on our Instagram too, at Triple J The Hookup. We love hearing from you. So keep it coming. And if you ever have a topic you'd like us to cover or some thoughts about something you've heard, you can email The Hookup at abc.net.au. No topics off limits. And I always love to hear from you. I'll catch you next time.